This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best of your sports talk for Wednesday, May the 15th. I'm your host, D.A. And the sports world stopped today noticing, wait a second, the Jets are firing their general manager and their VP of player personnel in mid-May and handing the reins to their head coach. Yes, it's just another day in New York for the New York Jets. And so as the NFL world pieces through that, The NBA world's piecing through the basketball side of the lottery last night because Zion Williamson will not be part of the Knicks basketball side. Last night, the NBA lottery comes up roses for the New Orleans Pelicans and Knicks fans who had hoped that this was the year things turn around. I mean, Patrick Ewing, the last Knicks number one overall draft pick, represented the organization in the lottery last night, came up number three. So we start with a reaction from the Big Apple on a devastating turn of events for basketball fans in the Big Apple on WFAN in New York with Boomer Esiason and Greg Giannotti. The thing about it is, though, they did get one of the top three picks. And everybody believes that one of the top three picks, one of those or all three of those players, should be significant NBA players. Sure, you had to get in the top three. Right, you had to. Had to. So you have... have at least an opportunity to get one of those special players. I mean, I mean, imagine being the Cavaliers or the Suns, who also had. I mean, those were two teams that were horrible, had 14% chance of getting the number one pick, and they ended up at fifth and sixth. So at least it wasn't that, and at least it wasn't fifth, and it wasn't fourth either. So I, I, I can spin it positively. It's just really hard to do this well, morning. We, it really you know, is. Why, why? Because Zion is such a... Yeah. And he wanted to a, be here. He did. I mean, he, I don't oh. care what he said last night afterwards. You could see he didn't say anything last night. The guy bolted basically, and he never said anything. He goes, "Oh, we'll see what happens." He says something along those lines in the interview, like, "Oh, we'll see what happens." Like, I like. Did you see the? Um, did you see the front office of the Pelicans react? Yeah, to yeah, it? I did. It made me sick. It yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah, it I mean, made look, me look, sick. Look, yeah, I, not, I just I mean, think for as soon as they started talking Pelicans Grizzlies, I, I was out. I was out. I wanted to go watch the Bruins and the Canes. I mean, I, I want for the Pelicans and the Grizzlies to the Bruins. The Kings. Yeah, I, the Pel and, and New Orleans. They've got great football fans down there. They do. Those Saints fans are great fans. They love their college football down there. The Pelicans get lost in the mix. Well, the I don't Pelicans think they're get are lost so, in the mix with now. Yes, they, no, this happened not. to them before when they got Anthony Davis as a number one overall pick, and that guy came off a championship season, unlike this Duke team that didn't even make it to the Final Four. Yeah, but so, and, and, and Anthony freak, Davis man. doesn't even want to be there anymore. So I, I, that that organization has been a bad organization. They got a great general manager now. He's got a proven track record in David Griffin. But the, the New Orleans Pelicans, even with Zion Williamson, it's just different. I mean, yeah, that'll give him a little bit of a boost. Of course, that's why those people are flipping out in the ticket office. But 
It's just Zion didn't want to go there. The NBA doesn't want him there. Like, that's probably the main thing that annoyed me last night. Well, second outside of Zion not going to the Knicks. He's like, yeah. this is what the NBA wanted, the anti-tanking. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. You're telling me that they're yeah. happy about that? I don't think they are, but who knows? And what I was mean, that Darren Ravel tweet we were talking about last night? We are texting back and forth. Like, the difference between Zion. Like, it's a $100 million no, no, it's not, no, it's a billion dollars. Oh, a billion dollars. No, that he, was, he said $100 million, and I said, you better try a billion. Oh, okay. A, That's he was a billion-dollar player here in New York, man. He was going to change the fortune of this franchise forever, and it was going to be about as big as it ever would have gotten here. He was, he was coming. I was convinced he was coming. Oh, I mean, man. I had all, every sign was happening for me yesterday. So I go to the crystal shop in Port Jeff. I go in there. I get all the good luck crystals. I add it to the other crystals I had. I walk oh, out well, of there. So I meet for crystals. I meet, yeah, screw them for the rest of the time. <laughs> but I walk out of there as a listener right there. We have a good conversation about the Knicks. That's awesome. New York State of Mind. There's a restaurant, like an outdoor area that's pl- blasting New York State of Mind. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like, this is perfect. Perfect song, perfect time. This that is, is great. Down, you were down port. Uh, yes, I was down port in Port Jeff. Then on my way home, I end up taking Patchogue Holbrook Road. I swear to you, Zion Electrical Services is a business on Patchogue Holbrook Road I've never <laughs> seen before. Z I O it. Look it up. Okay. Zion Electrical. I'm, this is it. <laughs> Now, if I wasn't going like, you know, 50 miles an hour with people behind me, I was going to stop and turn around and take a picture. Zion Electrical. It was happening. And then we go to the break, and there's four teams. It was happening. It was happening last night. And then with the third pick, and he pulled it out of there so quick and out of the envelope, I just, I really, I really couldn't believe it. I just, Did you want to cry? No, I didn't go that far. I mean, it was just it, it was just like a drop in the stomach. You know, that's what it was. It was, I mean, just then, so, it was like so disappointing. It was like opening a Christmas present. You're just hoping to open that great Christmas present, and you open it up, and it's something either you've already had or you don't really want. It was like a time like, that my aunt like, ah, sent me a tarantula. I feel bad for RJ. <laughs> so what's worse for a New York Knicks and Jets fan this morning? Is it knowing that Zion is not going to be on your team? Or is it that your football team just blew up its front office in the middle of May after a power struggle, reportedly? Neither one of those options is good. So what's the process of this draft order? How did the Knicks go from one of the four best chances at getting number one to ending up at number three where the Pelicans swooped in and won the draft lottery? And then other teams off of the radar swept in to take a top three pick as well, like the Memphis Grizzlies. Here's NBA insider Reed Forgrave, who joined the Mac Attack on WFNZ in Charlotte. Okay, so I saw your name on the list of media members that, that got to witness the drawing. And you know that our listeners are like basketball fans across the country. I think half of them think somehow this thing is very often rigged. What can you tell us takes place? Can you confirm that this thing is on the up and up, Reed Forgrave? It ain't rigged. And I tried, man. I tried to cheat for my hometown Minnesota Timberwolves. I really did. <laughs> it wasn't happening. So, so it's, it's really a wild process. I, I got a call it was yesterday morning from NBA PR saying, hey, you want to do this? Uh, there's about 10 media members who join up. And they're doing it for you know, for that very reason you just talked about. Because everyone thinks it's a conspiracy. If the Knicks had won... Uh, the number one pick, everyone would be like, oh, NBA just Adam Silver wanted the Knicks to get the number one pick. He wanted Zion to go to New York to play MSG. Uh, so they, you know, being fully transparent about it. Um, 
So what they do is they, they have, it's about a little bit more than an hour before the actual lottery show is when the actual lottery takes place. Uh, it's in a, a couple, it was like a floor away from the lottery in the same hotel. Um, they bring everyone in and you have to give up your phone for two hours, um, which was a little bit uh, disconcerting. Uh, they take away all your electronic equipment, put them in sealed envelopes. Uh, you run through like a pretty intense security deal and you go into this room and there's one representative from every NBA team and Kiki Vandeway from the NBA uh, kind of lays out the ground rules. Uh, they pull out the lottery machine kind of looks like a big, I don't know, like a water cooler, I guess. And they pull out this uh, like pl- sealed plastic box that has 14 numbered ping pong balls in it, one through 14, and tosses them in there. And they turn it on. It sounds kind of like a popcorn machine. These balls are bouncing around. And what they do is they, they select four numbers for each uh, for each of the four selections. So the first pick was first. Um, they didn't do it in descending order. It had me a little confused because they, they, they picked the four numbers. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Just one, number one or number four. But then Alvin Gentry's reaction confirmed it was number one. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a thousand and one, uh, different combinations, uh, number combinations. Each team is, uh, assigned a certain number of those combinations. The New Orleans Pelicans had, 60 of 1,001 potential combinations, so a 6% chance. And, uh, yeah, numbers came up Pelicans. It was pretty It was pretty cool to watch, man, because Alvin Gentry's reaction was just absolutely <laughs> I can only imagine. With Zion, oh, with Zion at stake. All right, so Reed Forgrave is here to say this thing is on the up and up. Um, not to mention, Reed, if they tanked, wouldn't it be L.A. or New York at number one? Like, I feel like that's the way they – or if, if they um, yeah. if they rigged it, yeah, no. you know. No one would be thinking. I think this like confirms whatever one like anyone who thinks it's going to be rigged. Like this, this would have been the year, man. You want you want Zion with the Lakers or the Knicks. So I don't know if during that commercial break uh, when we know the four teams, we don't know the order. I don't know if everyone's like, oh man, NBA totally rigged it for the Knicks <laughs> for the Lakers. But uh, I believe that might have been my tweet I sent out during that break. <laughs> Reed, Reed, it's it, Reed, it's just my luck as a Knicks fan. Now it's not rigged. That's <laughs> just, that's just wonderful. Hey, you got Patrick Ewing, man. You got that back in the day. Look, if you could understand the algorithms, the ping pong ball numerics that go into picking this draft order, I give you credit. But I think the key is this. The NBA has stumbled upon a much more exciting way to do so. The fact that it's kind of two waves now where you have all of the teams on the board that are in the lottery and then the top four slots unknown. And then we see teams that would have been out of the top four slide in, and then those that we thought were the top four slide out, only to give us the top four with a chance to get the number one pick, and then boom, another lottery essentially happens. Those two waves with the pause in between added so much drama that it really did work. And you can't convince me now that the NBA is rigging anything when it comes to the NBA draft. Zion Williamson going to New York would have been a Real head-turner for the entire NBA. Or Chicago. Or the Lakers. Or even the Atlanta Hawks. Those are big markets. The New Orleans Pelicans, not. And that number two went to the Memphis Grizzlies. 
to me, there is a lot of reasons here to realize all the conspiracy theories we have surrounding the NBA and fixing lottery picks just isn't true. This year proves it. So what's the big takeaways from what we saw from last night's lottery going into next month's draft? Here's longtime college basketball insider Gary Parrish, who joined the Ken Carmen show on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Last night seemed like a wet blanket for Cavs fans. Can you at least give us some optimism that a good player could be taken at number five for the Cavs? Well, there are always good players available at number five in, in most drafts. Uh, the, the trick is it's just difficult figuring out who they are. Like, I, uh, I live in Memphis, so I understand the, the, the difficulty of, of your favorite franchise uh, selecting players each June. Uh, one of the things I say almost every time the Grizzlies are on the clock is, hey, somebody good is available right now. Now, go figure out who it is. And I think that's going to be the challenge that Cleveland is facing, um, whether it's Jarrett Culver or Darius Garland or Kobe White or Nasir Little or Romeo Langford or somebody else, there will be a, a guy you can build around available when the Cavs are, are using their first pick. You just got to, you know, the trick to this thing is making sure you, you identify that guy and you get it right. Gary, how big is the drop from three to the rest of the field? I think it's significant. I, I think the drop from one to two is significant. I think the drop from three to four is significant. And really, and I don't think everybody agrees with this, but I actually think the drop from four to five is notable as well. In other words... Well, thanks for playing. (laughs) Gary, this was was not what I was hoping for. (laughs) Because my top four players coming off the board would be, obviously, Zion Williamson, John Morant, R.J. Barrett, and then uh, DeAndre Hunter. Now, I would take the first three before I get to Hunter, but I would take Hunter in front of everybody else. You know, he obviously helped Virginia win a national championship. You know, was the national defensive player of the year, but also somebody who shot 43% from three-point range. He measures almost identically, uh, in an identical way, to, to Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I think Kawhi's wingspan is maybe two inches longer, but basically same height, same weight. And so I'm not trying to pretend DeAndre Hunter is going to be Kawhi Leonard. That's an incredible bar to set. But if you're looking for a, a, a two-way wing who comes from an incredible program and has a lot of room to still get better, um, I would identify DeAndre Hunter as exactly that. All right, Kerry Parrish, join us on the hotline. So one of the guys that I know Cavs fans have actually watched – was Cam Reddish, and uh, I, I don't know what was happening there at Duke. I don't know why he struggled shooting the ball. His form looks great. He has a step-back jumper that looks ready for prime time in the NBA. Looks like he has range, and then, oh, by the way, he shot it worse than even Zion Williamson from three last year. Uh, do you think he's the type of guy that can flourish even more in the NBA? I'd hope, especially if you're going to take him at five, because he was not good at Duke. Um, as you point out, he looks great. He like walking into the building. He looks great. Putting on the uniform, he looks great. Shooting the ball, he looks great. But then you look at the numbers, and there's nothing there. He shot 36 percent from the field, 33 percent from three-point range. And I will tell you, he really hurt himself with the people around that Duke program when he, for reasons that still aren't exactly clear, decided to sit out an NCAA tournament game. You know, if you remember, Mike Chashevsky was asked about it afterward, and Mike said. We found out just before the game he could not play. And I can tell you that did not sit well with people around that program. He has incredible talent. And like you point out, he looks the right way. 
But man, I don't know if I would touch him at five. Not some of the, and not not with some of the things I've heard. And I want to be clear: it's not like he's a bad guy, or you know, he's going to rob a bank. It's just that I, I people around him have questioned how um, how much he loves it. And in the NBA, with rare exception, unless you love it and it's what you want to do every minute of every day, it, it's hard to justify, you know, living up to what we expect from a top five pick. You know, the Cavs are another team that must feel very deflated after last night, considering they had a chance at Zion as well and came up outside of the top four. But I would also say that Cavs fans can't argue too much because the Cavs won LeBron James, they won Kyrie Irving, and they even won another time in getting Anthony Bennett. There's been a lot of winning of the lottery for the Cavaliers, and so it seems like that that bucket of good energy and good luck has gone away. And who knows? Maybe the New Orleans Pelicans' karma was on their side after the NFC Championship game where the Saints were totally screwed on the no-pass interference call, which kept them out of the Super Bowl. Maybe the sports god said, let's have a make good for New Orleans sports fans. The Chicago Bulls also had dreams of Zion Williamson. Could he be the next Michael Jordan-esque character for the Bulls organization not so fast. The Bulls end up landing the number seven pick of the NBA draft. Here's Bulls GM John Paxson, who joined Mully and Haw on 670 The Score in the Windy City. John, you said last night that uh, dropping to seventh it wasn't catastrophic, and I think you're looking at it the way you have to look at it. But for people who might look at this draft as a, as a two-person draft in terms of generational talent, and they feel deflated by the idea of, okay, here, here are the Bulls drafting seventh again. What would you say to them to inspire any sort of optimism going into a season where the fan base is as dissatisfied and disenchanted as I've seen it in years? Well, there, there's, there's nothing we can do about the lottery, David. I mean, we, you know, I, I mean, we all would have liked to walk out of there last night having one of the top few picks, but we didn't. And, you know, I, I think we, you know, we have an opportunity to get better. And you're right, gen- generational talent doesn't come around very often. And, um, you know, the fact that, that you know, we weren't the, the team to land that, you know, it, it's, you know, it's frustrating, disappointing, but we can't dwell on it. I mean, we, we, it's, it doesn't do us any good to, to dwell on it. I, I do think we, we have an opportunity to become a much better basketball team this year. We, we just have not had any it's been so disjointed the last couple of years with the changes we made and then, you know, the injuries we've had and not having guys together. Um, and I'm well aware of what our fan base, uh, how they look at this. Uh, I'm also well aware of what, what we need to, to do to, to get better. Um, there's, there's, you know, I've mentioned things already here with you guys. So, um, but I have to remain positive and optimistic in our approach and I'll continue to do that. I, the people I work with, uh, I know how we go through our business. I know how we, we process information and, and come to decisions, and I've been very confident in that. Um, and so we're just going to keep grinding out and, and making the best decisions going forward to get better. I, I know, John, you've said that luck is not a plan, but but you almost have to get lucky with, with some of these players. You almost have sure to see them you know, develop into what you believe they can be. Well, but that's, that's, a, whole, that's a part of the whole the whole deal when you you know when we drafted Lowry a couple of years ago the you know you envision what they can become and right. oftentimes it doesn't happen overnight i mean the, the the guys that step into this game immediately and uh you know and impact the game from day 1 consistently are they're, they're rare 
I mean, you know, and generally they're a little more mature guys, you know, outside of LeBron. I mean, he he was just, you know, so good and so gifted. Um, you know, all rookies are going to struggle, that type of thing. So we need to see improvement, obviously, but it, it, it does take some time. And I, I do think we have uh, people in place that can that help our development of players um, but again, they, they have to stay on the floor for us. We, we, you know, that's, that's the, the biggest thing. We, we have to have them out on the floor playing consistently. And, uh, and, you know, so that, that to me is where we need, need a little bit of luck is that we, we, uh, you know, we get them where they're, they're healthy and, uh, and we're playing with some consistency because we have a full roster. John, we'll, we'll let you go. When, you know, given the difficulty you've had with just the, having the core on the floor, when do you know when to give the guys an extension? When do you know? Does that interrupt the business element in a way? Well, that, that you know, the way our situation is set up, you know, you got to, you got, you know, basically three or four years to make a decision on the young guys you draft. Right. And so, you know, we're on the clock there with a guy like Lowry and, and, you know, but Wendell's just had the one year. Uh, so we're, we're in pretty good shape there. And, and again, you know, I, I think what we did at the trade deadline last year, getting Otto was a, a key move for us, uh, you know, because we, we looked at the landscape this summer. We knew there were going to be a ton of teams with, with cap space. Uh, there's a lot of money in the market this, this come July one. And, you know, we're going to, we have some, we don't have, you know, as much as, you know, some of the others, but, you know, we have some to improve our team, but, you know, trading for Otto, you know, if, if we hadn't done that, we'd be sitting here right now looking at uh, possibly extending, you know, Bobby Portis, who we had and but still without a, a, a small forward, uh, and, and some other needs. So I, I think that is something that we feel, you know, really positive about. Um, and, you know, and, and I think it'll, it'll help us moving forward as we, you know, we're going to have to address our needs. That's, that's a, a big part of this, but you can do that through draft. You can do it through free agency. You can do it through trade. And, uh, like I said at the very beginning, we're going to be looking at all those things. I mean, it's hard not to hear resignation in everybody's voice. I know that everybody wants to put on a good face, so we're happy with this. This is a good spot for us. There's good players available. This will help our team. We've got a good young core anyway. But let's face it, there's no way any of these teams that lost out on Zion really feel all that good about their place. They'll rationalize it away as they move forward through this process, but none of these teams, none of these guys can feel all that good about it. In Houston, the Rockets are licking their wounds watching the Golden State Warriors take the first game in easy fashion against the Portland Trailblazers. And Houston fans have got to be just irate knowing we could have faced the Blazers in the Western Conference Finals. So what happens to their head coach, Mike D'Antoni? Here's 610 Sports Radio in Houston and Mad Radio. Is this the week where, for the first time in five years, where a Houston sports team actually fires a coach-slash-manager? Stephen A. Smith was floating out the idea that the Rockets could fire Mike D'Antoni, not actually based on any reporting that he's heard. Yeah, he also, though, floated out last week that Clay Thompson might be ready to leave the Warriors without actually citing any evidence of it, I think. Um, I So he didn't, how did he say it? I mean, he, he, it was kind of, uh, it was kind of just like it was. There wasn't any specific reporting, right? There wasn't any specific. So was he was basing it off of his observations of Tillman Fertitta courtside, yes. and then the comparative observations of Mike D'Antoni coaching while Tillman Fertitta courtside was 
Testy. Was he watching Tillman Fertitta watch Dan Tony? Pretty much. <sighs> that seemed like this a, next level stuff. That we seemed start like doing a this. false dichotomy. I'm going to come me. next uh, next year if Dan Tony's still here. I'm going to come out with the opera glasses and watch Tillman Fertitta and see exactly when he's looking. At, I'll document it. Uh, I'll see exactly every look he gives him. So he's doing a body language analysis. This is next level body language analysis. He was analyzing Tillman Fertitta's reactions to Mike D'Antonio and how he and how he was coaching. All right. If the Rockets fired Mike D'Antoni, you can't just fire him. You have to know who the next guy is, right? You have to know who the this this is not something. No, this isn't college sport. College sports, you got to know who the next guy is before you fire your coach. But in this case, no. But this situation is not one where you say, "Hey, I'm so unhappy with the main guys." Job performance. Yeah. I'm going to fire him and just run a search. You can't run a search. You, you got to know who the guy is. Fertitta's had a busy year. I mean, look, he knew what he knew. Holgerson was the guy. Okay. Before he fired, exactly. He said, "What was the report?" Great they knew it like four weeks ahead of time Thank or whatever. You. Yes. So he knew Holgerson was the guy before uh, before he fired his coach. But would he fire? Would he fire his NBA coach without having somebody lined up? You know that Daryl Morey, whether he wants D'Antoni gone or not, has a list full of uh, probably has power ranked coaches that he he would actually want but the last time they went on a coaching search you didn't really get a sense that there was focus or purpose behind it necessarily right but Les alexander was very involved with it i don't know that there was not a sense of purpose behind it i just i I, I think that there were some divided feelings in the organization kind of like what the lakers just had i guess what i mean is they didn't like specifically target dan tony from the get-go it did not seem like that it seemed like they did a genuine search and they wanted to interview a bunch of guys i agree i don't i don't I'm not a huge advocate of saying, like, hey, we know who the guy is and we want him, we're going to go get him. I kind of think that there actually can be things learned from the interview process, especially when you're talking about a team like the Rockets that is so heavily analytic and where where Maury definitely has a heavy hand in decision-making, you know, even down to the how things go on the court, that I think that you got to be sure guys are simpatico. But maybe Maury has that guy already. The question becomes, how much does Fertitta trust Maury to make the decision. How much of it's going to be Fertitta and how much of it's going to be Maury? I would imagine it would be a lot Maury. Yeah. Maury's going to want to bring in somebody that is going to bend the knee, if you will, to the style that the Rockets play, don't you think? Well, the well yeah, but that doesn't mean that Fertitta wants Maury making all the decisions. Like, Maury didn't get to make the decision on D'Antoni. That was a Les Alexander thing more or, than a Daryl Maury thing. Or Kevin McHale, Yeah, one would think. It's not like Kevin McHale was a Daryl Maury-style coach. Would you guys want Fertitta making the pick at head coach? Uh, no, I don't. I would. I, don't. I would want Maury doing. It. I, I would yeah. want Maury doing it too. I right, mean, but I asked. I but I didn't ask what I want. I asked what will it be. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I actually don't know the answer to that. I well, mean, this is this is a big thing for Tillman Fertitta. Is he going to be the hands-on owner, or is he going to be the sit-back guy and let the basketball people take care of the basketball things? It's not as though Tillman needs to worry about Daryl though, because ultimately he's the owner. He's got the final say. Like with all these pro sports now. The owner's got the final say on who the head coach is going to be. So you don't even need to trust your general manager all that much to end up hiring the coach that you want because you can just do it yourself. Mm-hmm. The question is, is it going to be more of a Tillman hire or a Daryl hire if they chose to fire Mike Dantone? Well, if you can look at, uh, like, look at the Colts, they, how they came by Frank Reich, a lot of that was because uh, what's his name there? Ursay just told the story. Ursay originally didn't want Frank Reich. But he listened to his GM Ballard, and and uh, and it was somebody else in the organization too. I think that yeah, obviously the the owner makes a decision. But is it going to be Tillman Fertitta has only been in the NBA for a couple of years, and I know he's been involved with the NBA before that. But is it going to be just uh, like him heavily relying on Maury, or is it going to be like him saying, "I need a guy that's going to go step on throats"? You don't well, know what you're talking about, nerd. 
As always, the problem is you can fire Mike D'Antoni, but who are you going to get to replace him? Is there a better option out there for the Houston Rockets who have had some amazing regular seasons with Mike D'Antoni? I mean, you ran into an issue in game number six without Kevin Durant where you could not even get over the hump at home, and that's got to be really gut-wrenching for the Rockets. But again, was there a better option as head coach? Is there a better option as head coach? Is there somebody that will take advantage of Harden's skills as much as D'Antoni did? I always get very leery on stuff like this, the idea that just a change in coach is going to make things all that much better. I mean, is it? And is there a guy out there that would take the job that you can get to replace? you got to have somebody else if you want to replace the guy you're talking about firing. And finally, the Warriors, an easy game number one victory over the Trailblazers. A little bit too easy if you ask me. Here's Joe Lowen Dibs on Steph Curry's enormous game number one. Listen to this. Uh, last game against Houston, game six, started cold, picked it up in the second half. Everyone always talks, ah, 33 points in the second half. It was mostly the fourth quarter. He had 10 in the third, which is nice, but he had 33 overall, 23 in the fourth. Take the fourth quarter of game six against the Rockets and combine it with the four quarters from last night. So his last five quarters of basketball, 59 points on 58% from the floor, 60% from three, nine rebounds, seven assists, one turnover. Let it marinate because I'm reading it again. Steph Curry's last five quarters of basketball, when everyone said he can't carry a team, he's not a true superstar, something's wrong. And yeah, even by his standards, he was off a little bit, but it is playoff basketball. His last five quarters, 59 points on 58% shooting, 60% from deep, nine boards, seven dimes, one turnover. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> nice work if you can get it. You said 56 points? 59, 59 points. 59. 59 in five quarters. It's just, the numbers are so big, it's just mind-boggling. And they didn't need him late in the fourth last night. No. no. Remember that. He oh, was not needed late in the fourth. 35 minutes. I mean, he didn't, like you say, he didn't play 42 minutes to get that done. And you're talking about 59 points in 47 minutes if you're talking about five quarters. Even if he played all 12 minutes in that fourth quarter... Which I'm not positive. 45 he, total minutes. 45 yeah, minutes. 35 minutes of game action last night, and he played 9.57 in the fourth quarter Man. against Houston. I'd written that down. I should have shared that. 45 minutes, he went for 59 points. And the way he did it against Houston was so tough, obviously, in, a, in an elimination game for the Rockets, and Houston was playing so much tougher defense. But then to come out in game one, rested, still get a little of the finger issue, whatever, and just to light Portland up like that, and to really break Damian Lillard in his homecoming like that, it's truly impressive. 59 points in five quarters. He's back. He's back. You almost forgot. I forgot. I was sitting there <laughs> criticizing him. But he's back, and now I'm back on that train. Uh, yeah, I think rightfully so, though. Rightfully so that you had to criticize Steph, and Steph criticized himself. Steph, he said it on numerous occasions. He goes, you know, it's, it's frustrating. He said, at times I understood. He's like, man, I'm more hopeful my shot will come back, and you just got to keep the confidence and keep shooting. Steph knew he was playing bad, and he understood the criticism, and he's talked about hearing the noise. This is a, gr- this is a grown man getting the Kings around some playing a kid's game, and he understood he was not playing well, and he's first to say it. Man, Steph is amazing, but the Blazers didn't close out. The Blazers left him far too open. The Blazers had a lot of defensive lapses. They didn't play with much energy, and the Warriors barely broke a sweat winning that game by double digits. That's a real concern because it wasn't like we saw the best of the Golden State Warriors. And if that's the case, 
we might be crowned the same champion coming up here in a couple of weeks as we have three out of the last four years. Now, this is far from over this Western Conference Finals, and certainly whoever the Warriors would face in the NBA Finals would be a formidable foe, but that was way too easy for the Blazers to just watch the Warriors play with a C-plus effort and waltz to a win. That's going to do it for us, the best of your sports talk for Wednesday, May the 15th. I'm your host, DA, and tomorrow we'll see what happens with the Jets. Yikes. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.